Yo, what's up, friends? Welcome back to the local podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Greensburg Video. That's my video and photography company located right here on Main Street in Greensburg. If you and your company are up for some fresh ideas and some engaging content, look no further than Greensburg Video. Speaking of advertising, you can do that for your business right here on the local podcast. If you're interested in that, hit me up at thelocal724.com. But enough of this palaver. Let's get the show on the road. Welcome to the Local 724 Podcast in 3, 2, 1. All right. Welcome back to the Local Podcast. Today I've got Ryan with me and uh, we have Alice Trans. So Alice is an author. She wrote a book and it's the 32, get 32 Days on the Camino de Santiago. Um, can you explain what that Yeah, is? I just got a little bit of a heart palpitation when you called me an author. Oh. That's very prestigious. Thank you. Well, you did, you did write I, a book. I wrote <laughs> one little book, but so yeah, I guess I am an yeah. author. All right. So it's called 32 Days on the Camino de Santiago and the Camino de Santiago is translated as the way of St. James. Right. So it's a very old, ancient pilgrimage trail that's in the north of Spain. Have you guys ever heard of it? Did you ever hear of it before you? I have not. Who is St. James? St. James. Is that like, go ahead. He's one of the 12 apostles. He, okay, he was I, one of Jesus's BFFs. Yeah. I've, I figured that he was one of the apostles, but I, I know, I don't know much about Spanish culture. So right. I know they kind of pick and choose some certain saints and say, yeah. You're, you have saint status now and. Right. I want to make sure that I have that right. He does have saint status and he is the reason for the Camino. He's the, he's the, you know, the main attraction because his bones are located allegedly in Santiago, which is the pilgrimage town that you get to at the end of the walk. Right. So when you go to Santiago, there's a gigantic (laughs) cathedral and his bones are there. Ask me if I saw the bones. Did you see the no. bones? <laughs> did you? I did not see the bones. I didn't yeah. go into the cathedral for a million reasons. I, I would have liked you to. You didn't seen, go in? I did not go inside. Mm. You traveled all that way and you didn't go inside? Yes, I did travel all that way. And I didn't go inside to see the bones. Why not? I, well, it wasn't a really convenient time to go see them. And it was very, very crowded in the church. Yeah. And I arrived three days before the feast of St. James, which is the big festival that they hold Mm -hmm. every year on the 25th of July. I didn't really plan my trip around it. It just sort of ended up that that's the the time period that I arrived there. And it's a gigantic, huge festival. I'm talking a million people descend on this town of Santiago. It's massive. I'm really glad that I got to be there and witness it and see what was going on. But I've never been in a crowd of a million people before. Mm -hmm. It was, it was amazing. So I purposely also plan my Camino not to walk it in a holy year. So a holy year is whenever July 25th falls on a Sunday. So keep that in mind. Okay. Wow. Yeah. More never people do that. don't <laughs> learning. Yeah. Don't, I mean, unless you're into that, you want to go there and be there for the big celebration. So what, what happens at the cell? Is it, are we just uh, focused on James or, so the, the feast of St. James is imagine a huge square, like a piazza, 
a giant, I mean, the best way you could picture it, it's, you know, when you go, when you see pictures of the Vatican city and there's that huge area in the Vatican city and the Pope's up there and there's a big crowd, that's kind of what it's like in front of the cathedral, maybe smaller, but I think maybe 400,000 people fit in that square. And then there's people all over the town that are just kind of posted up. So if you're lucky enough to get into the square, you see a massive performance. It's almost like a rave. It's crazy. <laughs> cool. Maybe we should go on a holy day. Maybe. Well, no, this was just a regular day. The the holy oh, years. Are, just they do day. it every year. Dang. On July 25th, but the yeah. holy years is when more people walk the Camino because you know yeah. salvation. Gotcha. So it's lights, music performances that are all over the square and they're projected. It's like a rave music. It's really, it's really cool. (laughs) Fireworks. Right. So if not for, um, holy reasons, what, uh, what made you decide to take the journey? Yeah. That's the number one question everybody asks. And that's probably the number one thing. Everybody. Why did you do that? I win. Why? Why would you walk 500 miles? You have the number one answer. I have the number one question. (laughs) Ryan, suck it. <laughs> well, you know, I I actually talk about that a little bit in my book. Yeah. Because um I don't think that anybody has one specific reason and it's deeply personal, mm-hmm. you know. So I decided to walk it because I'm very adventurous and I wanted to do something that I've never done before, get out of my comfort zone, and I needed to get away and think. Yeah. And I'd kind of always heard about the Camino, but I really started planning about two years in advance before I actually went there. And it took me two years to figure it out. Right. Like, how are you going to get there? If you had to go to the little village of Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port in France, how would you even get there? No clue. Yeah, exactly. It's, I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I read a lot. It's a lot to figure out. Yeah. So. I mean, just your journey from I love how in this book you kind of spell it all out. Like you say, started in Greensburg, right, the train right station, here at the train boom, station, right boom, here. Boom. Like, and it was an insane amount of travel to get to where you needed to be. Right. Um, Do you want me to break it down? Yes. Okay. It's very interesting. Greensburg that you started here. Greensburg caught the train, went into New York City. The Holy Land of Greensburg. Exactly. Well, you know, that's where your Camino starts. It starts from wherever you live. It It doesn't matter where you live. And I talk about in my book that when you make the decision to go, you are already on your Camino. You're, you're planning it. And even though I did this a couple years ago, I'm still kind of on the Camino. You know, look at, I get to talk to you guys about it. Yeah. I've been other places where I've found way markers or shells from the Camino. I was in Europe in 2019. I was in Brussels and I'm walking into the city square and there are markers on the road from the Camino. They're everywhere. When you start looking for them, you'll find them. So, okay. Greensburg to New York city, you know, the train Yep, takes you right into Penn station, um, Penn station out to, I think it was JFK. And then I flew to Paris because it's very cheap to fly from New York city to Paris. So from Paris, I went to Lyon. I took one of those high speed trains. Oh Yeah. 
it was rough. Is it? <laughs> it wasn't what I thought it would be. It, yeah, I was sick the entire time. Really? Yeah. It, but I mean, how much faster is it than the than the shuttle between uh, the airport and the baggage claim? <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of throws me through a little. The little the little um, transporter that yeah. you get on in the airport. It sucks. <laughs> I think this one was like 200 miles an hour. Wow. That's so slightly faster. Like, <laughs> you, the whole time when I'm on those, I'm thinking just don't fall over. And right. Like yeah. An absolute idiot. When this thing starts going. So like th- as fast as this thing goes, like how does it feel on the inside? Do the seats like kind of like swivel for you not to feel like the G forces? No, or? it's like, ju- it's just like a regular train. Huh. It's just going insanely fast. Crazy. It was crazy fast. So you don't so, like really feel it. Apparently I did because <laughs> it, yeah, it was a little bit rough. So I went to the city of Lyon, which is the mm-hmm. second largest city in France. And I had friends there that I hung out with for a couple of days. So from there, from Lyon, I took an airplane from Lyon to Biarritz, which is on the coast mm-hmm. of France. And that was, I, I remember the plane ticket was $35 and it took maybe an hour that's amazing. Maybe 45 minutes or an hour. So from Biarritz, <laughs> I took a taxi to my hotel, which was right across from the train station, spent mm-hmm. the night, got up the next morning, took the train from the little town of Biarritz to Saint-Jean. That's wild. Yeah, it's it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. Like everyone gets like pissed off about connecting flights. <laughs> you had like 85 things to yeah. do uh, to get there on time. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah, I, I can't handle that kind of thing. Like, I I, I so enjoy the destination that I want to go to. Yeah, and I loathe the journey to the destination to get there. So I, I feel like this would be really bad for me. Like a train ride, I I can't handle a train ride. It's so slow. And I'm, you've never taken the train from Greensburg to New York City. It picks you up right here. You could just walk right there. Based on the many horrific stories that I've heard from people. They say, don't do it. It's terrible. really, I've done it will, several times and it's, it's great. Yeah. Wow. It's very is, comfortable. Have you done it? Yeah. Really? I uh, went from the one in Lancaster to New York. So it's only like two hours, but it was pretty dope. I took a train from here to Milwaukee and that was intense. I mean, it took a while, uh, but it was cool. Okay. It's, it's very relaxing. You know, the seats are big. Mm-hmm. There's Wi-Fi. The only thing is, is you need to bring your own snacks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Stop at sheets. The bar get a whole bunch of snacks. Expensive. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you know it's train food. Can you get BYOB <laughs> on the train. Absolutely. Oh really? Yeah. You can get pretty ruckus well, on the you, train. You you can. It's called people take that train. It's called the Pennsylvanian, just because of how beautiful it is. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll try it. I mean, you it's cheap. Me. It's. It leaves at eight o'clock. And then when you come back from New York City, you go to Penn Station, the train leaves at 10.30 a.m., and you get back to Greensburg at, like, 7.30. Why is there not a bullet train from Greensburg to Pittsburgh yet? Yeah. That's frustrating to me. Right, yeah. I mean, for as close as a suburb and for how many people live out here that work there and commute. That's exactly it. And and so now we have to go through the tunnel all the time to get to Pittsburgh where you just have a bullet train. I don't know. I goddamn hate those tunnels. Oh, I refuse to. Well, I I, I don't refuse (laughs) to. It slows everything up. Yeah. But anyway, 
<laughs> yeah, so that's that's a little bit. That's yeah. how I got to Sanjin. So Sanjin is the traditional start port starting point if mm-hmm. you're going to walk the Camino Frances. There's a lot of different Caminos. It's think of it as a patchwork or a network of different trails. Yeah, and the reason why the Camino Francis is so popular is because in medieval times, they all met up there and it's right, right at the base of the Pyrenees. So it's a small little village. So the first day that you start walking, you walk over the Pyrenees, which is not what I was expecting it to be. You know, you, you, I prepared. So you know what I did to prepare? You're going to think this is funny, but I mean, I live in Greensburg, right? So I had to, (laughs) I knew, I knew that I was going to be doing this massive walk. It's 500 miles, give or take. It's insane. What? Yeah, it's 500 (laughs) miles. I feel like it was more than 500 miles. So how do you train for that? So not only are you walking 500 miles, but you're carrying your backpack the whole way. So the only place that I could really train was on the five-star trail. Yeah. And I would get up really, really early in the morning at like five and I would, I would walk the entire thing. I would try to do Mm -hmm. 14 miles. So 14 miles is kind of a slow day on the Camino. Plus the five-star trail is flat. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's you just walk. So the whole time I'm preparing for this, I'm thinking I'm so badass. I'm walking 14 miles. I got my pack on. Yeah. I get home at one or two o'clock in the afternoon, do, did my 14 miles. It was the worst possible way to train. I mean, I'm glad that I did it, but the Camino is nothing like the five-star trail. Right. Nothing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, if I knew you before this, I would have wanted to do like a training montage video. <laughs> kind of like a Rocky video, yeah. but to the Proclaimers. Oh, yeah. I was just, just going to say, yes. walk 500 miles. That's, that would have been hilarious. Yeah. It would be awesome. <laughs> there were people that I met sometimes on the trail that would talk to me because I wore my backpack. I would, yeah. I would pack it 20 pounds, 15 pounds. But the thing that weighs the most is your water. Yeah. Water's very heavy. You said that and you said the fresh fruit. Fresh weed, fruit is ridiculous. Is heavy. It's and very I heavy. I was just like, whoa. You don't think about things like that. Like, I started laughing. I pretty much, at the end of every chapter, I was laughing. Um, why didn't you get rid of those goddamn shoes? <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like. The shoes sucked from day one, right? The shoes, my feet, I, and I <laughs> talk a lot about my feet in this book. I, I was reading it a little bit last night, I forgot <laughs> how much I talk about my feet because yeah. it's the one thing that you need to right. walk 500 miles. You can, you can get away with having a sprained wrist, but you need to have your feet. Yeah. And I made so many mistakes. That's why this is called the travelogue of a total amateur, because right. I thought I was totally prepared, but I was not prepared at all. <laughs> and even my guidebook that I read religiously every night, this little guidebook right here, it's the definitive Camino guidebook. I never really put together when I saw the little maps, like the altitude. Mm -hmm. So also I'm not a hiker. I've never hiked before and I haven't hiked since (laughs) this was the one thing. It was the one hike that I did. I'm done hiking. This is awesome. Once. It's like you're the you're the person that came in that like uh, picked to hit the halftime shot during uh, yeah yeah you know <laughs> and 
and you did it. It's I, the book is super interesting. I really enjoy the fact that like you met all these people and like, where did you, so the, uh, first, your first friend on yeah. the Camino, what, her name was Alex, I yes. believe. Yes. All right. So where did you meet her? Alex. All right. So I met Alex on the train on the way into San Jean. So that train from Biarritz, mm-hmm. I think it's Bayonne is what I'm trying to say. Bayonne is the, the city. Okay. So she is from Texas. Yeah. young she's very young she's like the age of my daughters but she was my Camino mom because she taught me everything so she had started walking in Paris you could do that by the way (laughs) you can start in Paris walk the entire it's like walk 500 miles to get to Sanjin and then walk 500 miles to get to do do people do that absolutely she was doing it I met people in Sanjin who had just walked from Paris just walk from Paris. So wow. it's like you do a whole Camino before you actually do the Camino. So it was really hot. <laughs> I think she was on the trail for a week, week and a half, and she just could not handle the heat. And so she took a train yeah. to Bayonne and then Bayonne to Saint-Jean. That's where I met her. And her and I are still very good friends. We met another guy, Jim. So the three of us walked together that whole first day. It was 18 mm-hmm. miles up the yeah. Pyrenees. So, and you, and you talk about this kind of in the book, mm-hmm. but if I'm, if I'm walking with someone and, and it's extremely difficult, I, I understand you probably not talking that much because right. you're just like so exhausted the whole time. But then there's this anxiety in me that's like, I need to bring up a conversation because it's weird it's like <laughs> just walking for 18 miles together. Right. So did you experience that as you're walking? Like I should probably say, you know, like when you're driving in a car with somebody and they're sitting next to you and you're like trying to think of something to say. Right. That's that how, awkward silence. That, but walking for 18 miles. Yeah. Well, on? I mean, it was really more than just 18 miles. I was with Alex off and on for 32 plus days. So sometimes she would be, I call it my Camino orbit. Sometimes she yeah. would be in my orbit. There was one time she stayed behind, but then she got a little ahead of me. So it's weird because everybody that you meet, we you all have the same goal. You're instantly connected by this thing that you're doing. Yeah. And luckily most people speak English but not everybody. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky to get in with some English speakers and yeah, we talked, we talked a lot. There's a lot of talk. I mean, what else are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Hour after hour, after hour on that trail day after day, sometimes it gets a little bit boring. I mean a lot. That's one of the negatives. I mean, it can get a little bit boring. You're just walking. walking. Yeah. You're just walking like, Oh yeah, that's really beautiful. I mean, for five hours. Oh yeah, that's really beautiful. But it's, (laughs) it's kind of good to get bored sometimes because then you really get deep into your thoughts. Yeah. And I thought it was funny because you, speaking of being bored, you said you listen to podcasts and then I think it was somewhere in the book, you realized that you had Spotify premium all of a sudden. You didn't know that. I didn't know that because I apparently had my daughter's oh, yeah. Spotify. So it was her and she, she listens to good music. But once I started to listen to music, it totally changed my life. It was like, wow. And you know, something else I did, I, about halfway through, I started using my data plan. So it's $10 a day for unlimited data. 
So when I travel overseas, I pay for it because I like having data. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to have to worry about hooking up with the Wi-Fi. and the Wi-Fi was good. There was Wi-Fi on the trail. You can get it at different places, but not always. But one thing that really helped me is that I would put on my, my walking app and it would tell me how far I'd walked. So I could kind of gauge how long it would be yeah. until I got to my destination. So it, it was kind of, you know, you play little games with yourself. Yeah. Kind of when you're doing a long road trip, you're like, okay, how long until right. 25 It's miles. a blessing and a curse. I, I think about standing on the treadmill and just being like not paying attention. And then you look down and you're like, <laughs> shit, I have like 35 more minutes left. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, it's wild. Like it, all through the book, I'd noticed that, uh, you know, you were hanging out with a, a group of people and then they would, you guys would split up and then you guys would meet again and all of that stuff. Like is, I don't know how, if like, if I was walking with somebody that I had considered like a friend of mine and stuff like that, if they couldn't make it that day, I don't know that I could be like, all right, see you later. Like I'll yeah. see you at the next one. I agree I, with that. So like, I, I don't, it was, it was cool to me that you guys were just kind of like your friends, but you're also there solo, like for your own, whatever. Yeah. Everybody talks about that. You've got to walk your own Camino. Right. And I'm a very early morning person. I like to get up super early and walk when it's not hot outside. And I also Smart. like all the animals that are out in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I could get a significant amount of miles done before the heat started. That's good. Cause it's summer in Spain. And there were some days that was, even if it's 80 degrees and you're outside for 12 hours with your backpack walking, it's, yeah. it's oppressive. <laughs> yeah. So I did, that's the thing that everybody loves about the Camino is your Camino family. Mm. I went solo. Everybody that I met went solo. Um, a lot of the people I met, on day one in San Jean, I saw them at the end, but also, you know, after a while, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I kind of get sick of people. Like I've been with you <laughs> yeah. for 24 seven for 16 days in a row. I need a minute. Right. Yeah. So there was, there was a lot to talk about, but also I loved my solitude. It was yeah. scary. It was terrifying too. There were many times I was all by myself. There was nobody in front of me, nobody behind me for hours. Yeah. And you don't really, I didn't really know where I was. Is there yeah. a crime on this thing? Like do people get like, you know, very, try and very, very, very little. Yeah. Almost none. Well, that's great. I mean, it's really seems like an shocking time how little crime there is, but a lot of the places <laughs> we were walking were extremely rural. Yeah. You know, yeah. way, way out in the middle of nowhere, farms, mm -hmm. villages. It, it's, it's very rural. So if you want to come and rob somebody, what do you, what are you going to get? You want right. like my sleep sack? <laughs> Good point. Yes. You your heavy take fruit. My, <laughs> my crappy shoes that right. did nothing but cause God me pain shoes. and drama. Like an Adidas. <laughs> Hated them. Yeah. There was one part where you said, uh, usually your feet go numb, but there was like one day where they didn't go numb. So right. you felt every step. Yes. That was tough for me to get through. Yes. Cause I, I that's the thing, you know, people always ask me if I want to do it again. No. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't. I I think about it because I there's something about that Camino spirit. It's addictive. You want to go there. You want to be in the magic of the Camino and I, I would feel like I was cheating on my family though, because I'm so close with the people that I walk with, especially the Italians. Oh my yeah. gosh. I could talk about the Italians for days. I don't know how I got so lucky to hook up with this group of Italians because they cooked. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they cooked every night. So yeah. when you're at the end of the day, <laughs> starving, I mean, there's, there's villages, there's, there's little bars and cafes, there's, but sometimes there's not. So you have to pack your own food. But when you get to your destination, wherever that happens to be, that you're going to stop for the night, you want to eat. There's a lot of things that you have to do to prepare for the next day. Number one, eat, get provisions. You have to do your laundry. You have to take a shower. Yeah. It's, it's. Not like you just get there and you just, okay, done. Right. No, you, you, you get there, spend, spend a couple hours getting ready for the next day, sleep, get up the next day, do it all over again. That's wild. Have you guys ever washed laundry like they do on Little House on the Prairie? Like with the, yeah. the board thing? Yeah. No. I um, hadn't either. I, ha- oh, I yeah. had a, my first house had a utility sink that was concrete with one of those step things built into it. So I guess you oh. could do that if you wanted to, but right. I mean, we used to, I know my mom probably, she cleaned off paintbrushes on there. Like when we would paint right. or something, that's what she would use to like clean off the paintbrushes. Right. I don't know what I thought <laughs> to expect when it came to doing your laundry, because you really only have very, very minimal things. Yeah. Well, Just, and then don't you have to, you have to dry it. Right. That's the hardest part. Okay, yeah, no so, doubt. So, so you're you're assumedly sleeping at night. Right. And so I can't imagine it's going to dry that quickly if you're just hanging it up. No, it doesn't. So you just put on something wet? So you I had two full sets of clothes, but then when I got to the city called Lagronia, I think it was on day 6 or 7, they have a store there. It's the greatest store. It's like the denims of Europe. It's called Decathlon. Mm-hmm. It's a you know, like a discount sporting goods store. It's amazing. We need decathlon here, but they have a fancy way of saying it. They say Declatron, but it's decathlon. So I got a whole entire third set of clothes and some flip-flops and having a third set of clothes changed my life because if I was feeling really lazy, I didn't wash my clothes. Right. Yeah. And there were many times that I would do laundry and then the next day I would have it hanging off my pack. So it would dry in the sun because it does take a long time to dry. Very smart. I'm not like, I'm not thinking about those things like the out of the box stuff like that. That's, I didn't think about that either. Yeah. And I also talk about in the book that if you go to an albergue, which we'll, we'll talk about albergues, but albergue is basically your hostel. Right. So if you get to one and they have a laundry service, it's so worth it to pay for it. It's five euro. Yes. Thank you. That was the most amazing part. Like I was going through there and I was like, wait, like five to nine euro. Like what? It's, it's crazy. Right. It's wild. You taught me a lot through this book. Oh, really? uh, Words that I didn't think that I would know. There's a glossary in there too. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was all through it. So albergues are the thing that a lot of people are afraid of. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the most mysterious, but 
you have to realize this pilgrimage trail is, like I said, it's a thousand years old. Um, so for a thousand years, people have been walking this. And over that time period, whole communities and villages and cities have built up and they support the pilgrims. Mm-hmm. So when they started the first I think pilgrimage was walked maybe in the in the 11th century. A guidebook was written and then it got really popular in the 12th, 13th, little bit into the 14th centuries, massively popular. St. Francis of Assisi walked the Camino de Santiago. So a lot of the albergues are still there. Some of them are new. Some of them are old. Um, Some of them have laundry facilities. Some of them don't. But, you know, I learned it doesn't really matter. You don't really need anything. That's one thing that you learn on the Camino is you don't need anything. They say that the weight of your pack is directly proportionate to your fears. So if you're really scared, you have a lot of stuff in your pack. So as you start to get more comfortable and you build confidence, you get rid of things. Yeah. You're like, I don't really need that. And even the day before I left, I took a whole bunch of stuff out of my pack here in Greensburg. When I got to Saint Jean, my friend Alex, she took a whole bunch of stuff out of my pack. And even along the way, I'm still removing stuff. Just when you think you can't live without it, you really can. Right. Like what are, what are some of the things that you were getting rid of? Um, any, okay. Look at me, hair, makeup, like zero, zero hair products. I had, I had a little lush bar that I used to wash my hair with Mm -hmm. everything else I got rid of. I had sunscreen. That was it. Needed that. (laughs) Desperately needed sunscreen. So everything else that I thought that I needed, I really didn't. And if you really need it, you can just buy it. There's stores everywhere. Well, not everywhere. So I got rid of some clothing that I thought that I needed. You really don't need it. Yeah. It's interesting to see the different size packs that people have. Sometimes. I was about to ask you, yours is like what? 45 liter. You said maybe, I think it was 42. How big is that? Like, so when you see somebody that's going hiking and camping, you don't need any camping gear. So you don't have to worry about that. They actually don't really want you sleeping on the Camino. People do it sometimes, but they'd rather you stay in the albergues because it's safer and it's cleaner. And Mm -hmm. so you don't need any camping gear, but people still brought it. So they would have like tents. Alex had a tent, a five pound tent that she carried the entire time. Five pounds. That's a lot. You don't need anything as far as like utensils or cooking, nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. You, you don't need any of that. So yeah, the more you can get rid of the better. Right. So you said like it was, it was funny kind of like looking at the difference between people's bags and stuff like that. Right. Like, did you see people with like just very small bags? Camera equipment, tripods. Oh, oh yeah. That was actually that was this guy over here. <laughs> You're like, you don't need much. I'm like, if I'm traveling like that, iPad, they brought iPads and iPad. laptops and yeah computer, all kinds of technology. All that shit's heavy. It's very heavy and you do not use it. I, the one thing that was kind of cool that my friend Jules had was a, a solar for your phone. 
you know, like solar charger for your phone, but it was the size of an iPad. It was big and you have to put it out on your backpack, but it worked. It's interesting. It's really cool. I, when you were talking about what would be your biggest fear, what would be the thing you would be scared of the most if you did it? If I walked this, yeah, probably getting eaten by a coyote. No, there's no coyotes. Well, really, that would be your biggest for getting animals. I, I would hate to get bit by an animal, like oh, especially yeah. if I'm like twenty miles from the next whatever. Right. Like, <laughs> I'll just go into Miami for the last couple of weeks. I realize that I cannot survive the sun like oh. at all. So, sun is definitely one of my fears, and uh, getting like. Uh, hurt or something and not being able to get the shade, get the safety or anything like that. that yeah. I was never really, I was, I was worried about getting hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, if you twist your ankle, twist an ankle, yeah, you're done. It's, it's, it's the over. easiest thing to do. Right. Especially in this environment, because mm-hmm. if you can think of it, we walked over it. Yeah. Rocks, boulders, trails, yeah. farms, vineyards, highways, back roads, cobblestone, any type of service you can think of. We walked over it. Yeah. Marble steps that were slippery. You had to walk down them. It, it, it was everything. So I spent a lot of time looking down to make sure I didn't get hurt. Yeah. And there, there were people I know that got hurt little, little things. Mm-hmm. And you want to keep going. You don't want to stop because you want to stay with your family. Right. You want to keep up with everybody and even getting separated from your family for a minute. It's, it's okay because you, you've always got family around you. Everybody Mm -hmm. is there for the same reason. What were you afraid of most? I was number one, afraid of not getting a bed at an albergue. Okay. That was a big fear of mine. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of, if that is the case, like what do you just sleep on the floor? Yes, absolutely. You sleep on the floor. There's nobody's going to turn you away. They're going to, they're going to accommodate you. So there are different types of albergues. Think of them as hostels. They can have anywhere from 10 to 200 beds in them and they're bunk beds. Usually some of them are ancient. Some of them are new. Some of them are in between. They are what they have. They're public or municipal. So those ones are very cheap. And then they have private albergues, which are a little bit nicer. I stayed in a couple private ones at the end when I was within seven, eight days of getting to Santiago because it was very packed. The trail was full. So the, the ancient ones are fun, but they're kind of gross sometimes they're not that gross so i was worried about not getting a bed and i was really worried about bed bugs okay see i wouldn't even really have thought about that but yeah yeah, there's a million people sleeping there all the time right (laughs) bed bugs which both of the things happened to me oh man so i i went someplace there were no beds available so i just went to the next place beds bed bugs I, I did get a lot of us did, but it wasn't really that bad. They were like mosquito bites and they Mm -hmm. weren't, it wasn't as terrible as I thought it would be. So I got through that. It was fine. Like whatever you're afraid of, you're, you're going to be fine. I was never fearful for my safety. There was a couple weirdos on the trail. There's people that have done the Camino eight, nine, 10 times. And there's people that dress up in medieval garb and right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, yeah, 
<laughs> I could I could definitely see that. With the old, you know, the whole gown. Yeah. So next time I'm in a hotel and I start feeling bed bugs. You don't feel like, them. Just be like, hey. You, it's, it's fine. It's not that bad. It's really fine. They're mosquito bites and they're there gone in two days. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. I'm no longer going to look at reviews for hotels. It's just whatever the best price is. There you go. Yeah, I, it's interesting, I guess, what people uh, worry about the most. Like, I mean, immediately I asked about, like, crime. I mean, just living in, like, uh, when I lived in Lancaster, I would, it's kind of more of a, you know, city than it is here in Greensburg. Um, but just walking from my apartment to the bar, I would run into it a shitload of trouble really all the time. Like what kind of trouble? Uh, that was like when the knockout game was popular. Oh, <laughs> like, Oh, Oh yeah. I got nailed one time. Did and, you? uh, luckily I saw it kind of happening before it like really happened. Um, I saw like three people on this, the other side of the road. And then like two people like crossed over for like no reason. And so I just kind of got ready for it. And, uh, I got hit like right in the back of the head bit. It wasn't that bad. Cause I kind of like dodged it, but it was just like, I, I don't know. I could just like sit there and see like maybe some of the weirdos being like, yo dude, you know, give me whatever you have. Like, because maybe, maybe some of the people on the trail need something for the trail. And I got that shit in my backpack. You know what I mean? Maybe right. it's not the people that are like coming to get like money or something from you, but right. your supplies or something. So, you know, they had provisions for that in medieval times. They were called the Knights Templar mm -hmm. and they were an organization that was established to protect the pilgrims. So there are remnants of the Knights Templar all over the Camino. Yeah. Some of the villages are descendants you can see there's symbols everywhere. There's a castle or two. That's awesome. Yeah. There's, I think they still exist. Nice yeah, people are still yeah exist. they do. Yeah. And, you know, there's safety in numbers. Yeah. So, and, and also, I don't think that, like, if I'm a criminal mm -hmm. in, this, in the sense of I want to take something from someone, I'm probably not going there. <laughs> you know, I, I understand if you're, walking a, if you're walking the trail and you think, oh, I need something, I'm just going to take it because that's the right. person I am. But... I don't know. I think once you get involved in that culture, as you're walking along, you're like, I could probably just ask for something and right, yeah. somebody would give it to me. I don't necessarily think that, that, that the Camino draws that type of person. No, right? as a matter of fact, it's the complete opposite. People give you everything. Yeah, right. It, you know, the saying is the Camino provides. So whatever you need, the Camino provides it. There, there were many things I needed on that Camino that were provided for me at the exact moment that I needed it. Just crazy things. Did you guys like my um, chapters about blister wicking? Yes. <laughs> yes. Especially. So here's a pretty well-known fact, I guess, by my close friends. I'm not a big fan of feet. I Same. Don't, I don't like them. I'm I don't on your like team. Looking at them, hate them, touching so, them. But you mean like people wearing sandals and stuff like that? Uh, it doesn't really bother me. If even and I feel terrible, but even if my wife touches her foot to my I legs exactly or my feet or something, way. I'm like, get that, get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a huge fan. And then uh, you know, blisters really don't bother me or anything. But people doing it to other people's feet, right. I was like, oh, it was fuck, very intimate. Puke. Yes. 
So, very intimate. And it was a, it was an after dinner activity <laughs> where we would sit around and we would lick Thank each God other's blisters or we before. Would, yeah, it was very, it's what we called perfectly normal. Yeah. You know, you could eat dinner and then everybody would just go sit and look at each other's blisters. And sometimes wow. they would wick them like, okay, let's, it was like an assembly line. It was, <laughs> I've never had so much intimate time with feet in my life. It, it, yeah. <laughs> Wister blicking. So that's where you take a needle with a thread mm-hmm. and you run it through the blister so that the, the liquid can just slowly leak out. So when you got a really terrible blister, you did this on the trail and then you just put your shoes back on and you kept walking. Now, is that when it's, it says that you leave it, right? Yeah. You don't peel the skin off. Oh, okay. You don't leave the, the, uh, string hanging yes, out. Yes, you do. Oh, absolutely. Dang. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, so obviously you detach the needle from it or whatever, and then correct. You yes, chew on and, and you just your feet. My feet. I don't know about other other people's feet, but my feet would just go numb. Yeah. But then we also discovered this really great thing called ibuprofen six hundred. Yeah. I read a, I was reading up on that. Yeah. Was- and we also <laughs> discovered this other medicine. We don't know what it's called, but we called it Miraculo or Milagro for miracle. Right. It was a liquid and it had like ibuprofen. It had, I don't know, antibiotics, yeah. maybe some sort of narcotic that I don't yeah, know about. Probably not FDA approved. Liquid acid. No, definitely not. And <laughs> That I only took it a couple of times, but the times that I took it, 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 I needed it. Yeah. Otherwise I couldn't have gotten through the day and it was only my feet. Yeah. That's a man. That's rough. And there's uh, also a doctor named Dr. Shoals <laughs> who specializes in that kind of yeah. thing. Tell me about the thing. Well, I, I can't remember what they're called. It starts with a C or something like that. Compede. Yeah. What, what is this? It's, it's like, um, it's almost like a Vaseline oh. that you put on your feet so that you're, it doesn't cause as much friction. It did not work for me Okay. at all. Nothing worked for me. I noticed because you Nothing. said like in, in quotations or, or something, you said, uh, some people swear by this. <laughs> so I yeah, figured no. that it wasn't you. <laughs> Not me. Absolutely nothing worked for me. So the problem was that I, number one, bought the wrong shoes uh-huh. and they were too small. Aye. So. Well, did you, did you like train in these shoes? Yes. And they were, and it was fine. I, I trained in other shoes for a while, but then I got terrible blisters on the five star trail in Greensburg. And then I trained in these shoes and I thought that I was going to be walking for 500 miles, but I was hiking. So that is the one thing. That's the only piece of advice I give to anybody is buy your shoes one size bigger and make sure they are hiking boots. Don't wear shoes, wear boots. So I would, I, I mean, there are times I think like, I want to do this again and I want to wear the right shoes and have a totally different experience. No, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> no, but then that wouldn't be book worthy. Then you just kill it the whole time. And you know, you, yeah. then you, right. you wouldn't be able to give a personal. <laughs> About how miserable my feet were. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. were some days, there were some days that. We've reached the limit of the word feet. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> George, George squirming over there. <laughs> 
Um, I have to tell you, I have to admit this sin to you. Um, so I have, a, I have two dogs. One of them is a German Shepherd, and uh, he loves it when I'm home, and he hates it when I'm not home. And so he, he wants to send a message every time I'm not home. And so I had your book uh, on my coffee table because I was reading it, and to let me know that he was upset, I was gone, and I came back, and he took the book outside and <laughs> ripped it all up. As you can see here, the back is all ripped up. That is amazing. And, uh, luckily, the rest is intact. Okay. But uh, the whole time I was like, I don't even know. I'm going to try and keep it flat here and maybe yeah. it'll be cool. I don't. I hope he doesn't go on Amazon and leave me a terrible review <laughs> after chewing up half the yeah. book. Yeah. No, he liked it. He liked like it. Shit. He, said, he said good things about it. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of which, is that where you can get, if, if somebody wanted a copy of this book, do you go to Amazon? Yes, I yeah. self-published it That's awesome. on Amazon, which was a whole journey in itself. If I had to do another book on Amazon, I would have to start from scratch again because it was complicated and I kind of stumbled my way through and I had a little bit of help. Well, and I think because he, he called you, Jordan called you an author at the, right. at the beginning and that's Correct, because one of the first things I thought when he told me about this book is you're not only an accomplished hiker of this journey, but you're also an author. Like, an, these two big I things. I love that, you that did. you're. I love that you're saying the two things that I'm absolutely not. But it's well, so why? great. I, I mean, if you do it, you you're fucking it. Well, yeah. I, opinion, I prefer I, I prefer the term pilgrim. Yeah. Because once you walk, when you're on the Camino, you're a pilgrim because you're on a pilgrimage, right? And then you are a pilgrim for the rest of your life. One of the one of the great things about doing the Camino is that when you get to Santiago, you have something called a credential. And a credential mm-hmm. is a card that you get stamped. You get it stamped at all kinds of places, at albergues, bars, cafes, churches. And when you get to Santiago, you present your credential and you get a certificate and your name is recorded for all of eternity as a pilgrim who walked the Camino de Santiago. You get this little piece of paper. It's like a document and people frame it and hang it on their wall and they make a big deal about it. It's a, it's a big deal. And of course I lost mine (laughs) and I never lose anything. You can't even prove that. I cannot (laughs) even prove it other than I have my credential. Oh, okay. I have my credential so I can prove it. I mean, I lose nothing. I'm very meticulous about everything. So after this entire 500 miles, you finally get it. It, it costs a couple of euro and yeah, gone. Man. Can you, can you contact them and get another I, You copy? could, but it's, it's not the same. Right. You know, yes. it's not yes. the one. You know, there's a, um, there's a city, it's called Saria, and it's about 100 kilometers from Santiago. And if you walk from Saria, which will take anywhere from, I don't know, nine days a week, depending on how much you walk, you can get your credential. You have to walk the last 100 kilometers in order to qualify as pilgrim status, which when you start at Saint-Jean or Paris and then you see the people starting in Saria, you get a little bit of an attitude, a little bit of an attitude. So the people in the people in Saria, (laughs) they're, they're so funny because they're so clean. They have clean clothes and they're wearing mascara and they're bright eyed and 
oh, we're going to walk 12 kilometers today. Oh my gosh, how are we going to do it? And we're like, bitch, we just walked 20. Like, how are you doing 12? And I was just reading somebody wrote their account of walking from Saria and how exhausting it was. And they couldn't believe it was the hardest thing they've ever had to do. So it's a little something for everybody. And you know, not everybody has 32 days or I originally planned 35 days. That was my original plan. So some people do it in increments. So they'll go walk for two weeks and then they'll pick up where they left off and walk for two more weeks. So they'll walk it in increments. Some people will do, there's different pilgrimages that you could do. You could do the Camino Norte, which is along the ocean. There's the Camino Portuguese. That one takes maybe two and a half weeks. There's, there's a trail from Madrid. Of course you can start in Germany. Paris is a very popular starting point. You can start in Greensburg, Pennsylvania (laughs) from there. But you know, when you live in Europe, it's easy to get to Spain. You just walk there however long it takes. Did you read the chapter about my guy, Reinhardt? So I was just actually about to ask about that guy. Reinhardt. Yeah. So he was what, 70? 70 years old. 70 years old. And it, at one point you said, I, I didn't know if I was going to see him again. Did you? I did. did. You, you did see so him. So Reinhardt, I crossed paths with him, some little miracle. I met him on his 75th day on Camino. Right. Day 75, he was 70 years old. He was by himself. So we had dinner. He had dinner with my little Camino family. We're hanging out. And then the next day I walked with him up another alto. It was a, it was a pretty steep climb called Osabreo. And up at the top of Osabreo, you're above the clouds. Yeah. It's, it's really high up. And he had a little bit of wine. So we, we drank a little bit of wine up there at like 10 a.m. in the morning. And so we walked for a little while and then I think I stopped and I I never saw him again. Wow. He, he, he was going, he was going to a different destination than I was. Okay. So I didn't see him in Santiago either. There was a girl that I met on the first day. She was 18 years old from Germany. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember her name, but she walked with me for a good part of that day. So when you go, when you start in San Jean, you add up, you end up in a village called Roncesvalles. I'm saying that wrong for anybody who wants to come at me. (laughs) That sounded right. I know you could have fooled me. Roncesvalles. I'm not arguing. Here it is right here. Right here. Yeah. Okay. Ron says You're the smart guy. Can I hold it? It, I have Mm -hmm. bad vision. My eyes are very bad. She just. I would drop the S. So there's a French way to say it and a Spanish way to say it. It's a French name, but it's located right over the border in Spain. It's a massive albergue. She was there. And then her and I started walking on day two together. She was 18 years old. She just finished school in Germany. She spoke great English, which she learned from watching YouTube videos. And she had on a pair of hiking boots (laughs) and her feet were completely destroyed. So about two hours in, we stopped in this little village in this little town square and she took her shoes off and she was like, I'm going to, I'm going to rest for a minute. And I said, okay, I'm going to wait for you. Cause I'm, I go into mommy mode. I, I'm not leaving you here. Right. And I could tell that she wanted to cry. 
So I was like, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go to whatever, wherever I went. Where did I go on the second day? Hold on. I can't, I can't remember. I'm going to the albergue. I'm going to make sure that you have a bed. I'll be waiting for you. Yeah. Just, just get there. She never got there. I didn't see her. So then day after day goes on. I kind of forgot about her. What, what is it? The next day. Um, day two. Um, oh, Zubri. Oh, yeah, okay. Zubri okay. is where we were. That was day two. So I, I completely forgot about her. And I, she came running up to me on the day of the festival in, in Santiago, the Feast of St. James. She was there in the square. Nice. And she found me. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I hadn't seen her since day two. Yeah. And she told me that she sat there and cried. <laughs> And then she took her boots off and she threw them away and she wore her Birkenstocks for the entire Camino, the entire uh, Camino. She wore her Birkenstocks. That's intense. That's intense. That's I mean, I like my Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks. I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a, that, that girl. I wish I could remember her name. I, I was so glad she met up with another little group. They were yeah. maybe a day behind me or two days behind me, but her feet were shredded. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm sorry. Enough talking about feet. <laughs> so you want to do some numbers? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So I love numbers. How many people do you think walk the Camino every year? Like total. Yeah. Like let's say the year that I walked it, which was 2017. How many people do you think, registered as a pilgrim in Santiago. Well, so based on your, you know, experience, you saw a lot of people and that was only a, a little over a month. Right. So I'm, I'm going to go like four, four, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go up to a thousand. A thousand. A thousand. Okay. I was going to go more than that. I was okay. going to go like 40,000. Okay. So 2017, 301,000 people. Holy shit. What? No. Out of those 301,000 people, 722 of them were Americans. One of those was me. Wow. Oh, okay. Now so we're talking the entire year. Okay. Yep. All yeah. Right. I'm, I'm okay. I mean, still though, that's a lot. That's a lot of people. Those are about 12th, 13th century numbers. So about that many people were walking this in the 12th, 13th century. 250, 300,000 people. And then things kind of changed. There was, you know, holy wars and plague and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So the numbers really went down and it, <laughs> it became a little bit unpopular. So yeah. part of the reason why Santiago was so popular is because a priest had this idea to build a cathedral because he wanted to compete with all the other relics all around. You know, at that time people were either going to Jerusalem or to Rome. Mm -hmm. So that's where you went on your pilgrimages. And then I don't know if you guys remember this from your high school English class, but the Canterbury Tales mm. is the story of one of the most famous pilgrimages, which was also in this time period. Do you know the story of the Canterbury Tales? No, I wasn't a very good student in high school. <laughs> Do you know? This was um, this was with characters, right? This wasn't, right. This wasn't Jeffrey people. Chaucer. Yeah. <laughs> 
um, man, I read it. I, I read it in middle school. Right. So it's a, it's a pilgrimage from London to Canterbury to go visit the bones of St. Thomas of Beckett. So they're buried in Canterbury. So that's only two days by horse, but it's a, it's a very popular pilgrimage because you know, there's bones there. Mm-hmm. So this priest had this idea, like, we want to compete. We want the pilgrims to come here. We want all the political and economic gain. And it became huge. It was the, it was a destination. It it was like the Las Vegas of pilgrimages to go to Santiago. So after it kind of died down, I don't want to say people forgot about it, but it was kind of forgotten about. In 1985, there were only 1,245 people whose names were registered at the cathedral. And then there was a priest who's from the village of Osabreo who wanted to go back and remark the trail. Mm -hmm. You can walk the Camino without a guidebook. You don't need a guidebook. You just follow the yellow arrows or follow the seashells and you will find your way. You don't need it. Many people I met did not have a guidebook. They just (laughs) followed the arrows. It's very well marked. And when you think you're lost and you're not really a hundred percent sure that you're on the right trail because there's nobody around you and you start to panic, do you see a yellow arrow or you see a seashell or you see some sort of a sign? Yeah. So he started to market in the 1980s and then it started to get popular. I would say it really got popular in the 1990s and then it exploded because of course, social media. And also there's a lot of famous people that have walked it. Do you, do you know anyone? I, I don't personally know of them, but Ben Affleck. No, that's a good guess though. He, (laughs) he needs to do it. He's in a bad way right now. (laughs) So Pope John Paul II walked it. He did oh, wow. it in 1989. Um, Shirley MacLaine walked it. You know who she is, the actress. Yes. Um, Angela Merkel has done it a couple of times. I don't know who that is. She was the chancellor of Germany. Oh, I thought you said Steve Urkel. No, <laughs> Angela Merkel. All right. Probably the most famous would be Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez. What? Get out of here, really? Yeah, they filmed That's a movie. It's called The Way. It's extremely popular. Everybody talks about this movie called The Way. It's an okay <laughs> movie, but Camino enthusiasts, they love it. They, yeah. This is their... They can relate to it. They can yeah. relate to it, but nothing about that movie is relatable to real life on the Camino. Right. Like, they don't ever, ever, ever mention anything about their feet. Mm. At all. So you might might like it, George. I was going to say that's the movie for me. (laughs) Anthony Quinn, the actor. So Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez filmed the movie. So they walked portions of it. I think Emilio Estevez did the whole thing. Wow. Jenna Bush did it right when she graduated from college. Hmm. So Andrew McCarthy from the 1980s movie star. He walked it in 2012 and he wrote a book about it. You know, it's very cliche to write a book about it. Everybody writes a little book. Shirley MacLaine's is probably the most, she's, she wrote a really good book. It's way better than mine. So Shirley MacLaine wrote a book. 
um, so Andrew McCarthy walked it in 2012. It changed his life and he decided to become a travel writer after that. And that's what he does now for a living. He's a full-time travel writer and he writes really good books. He just walked it again this last summer with his son. So I was following him as he was walking it and he, he was going through some pain because he's older now. So his, his was pretty realistic. Um, of course, St. Francis of Assisi. Do you guys know that money lady, Susie Orman? She's, she's very famous for telling people about how to save money. And she walked it. She did it in 2015. She said it was the greatest thing she's ever done in her life. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. There's probably other famous people that walk it, but. Right. Those are the big, the big names. (laughs) The big ones. They got the big ones. Yeah. got a couple of popes in there. That's important. I think. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, when you stay in an albergue, you, you have to give up a lot of privacy. See, that's one thing that I thought that you would have mentioned is that you're sharing rooms and bathrooms with complete strangers. I'm fine with it. Good. Did you grow up with brothers and sisters? Yeah, I had a sister. And like, I mean, I had at one point in college, I lived in a house with like six other people. It oh, okay. wasn't, it wasn't anything yeah. to see them in less than, <laughs> you know, whatever. In 32 days I mean, on the Camino, I never saw a naked person, which is very disappointing. Not yeah. one. Did you want to see a naked person? I mean, sure. N- I don't, I don't know. Maybe people are very respectful. Yeah. But when you sleep in a room with 200 other people, it gets real loud. I had a whole sleep routine though. I can imagine. I had a sleep routine. So my sleep routine was take some type of a sleep aid like Zequel. Yes. I saw that. <laughs> and then I have a white noise app on my phone and I put my headphones in and listen to my white noise app. And then you don't hear anything because people are very loud when they sleep. Yeah. Shockingly. I'm going to have to, I've never listened to a white noise app. It sounds very interesting. That's like, what, like you put them up for babies when they sleep a lot right. of the time, right? <clears throat> um, it's strange. Like, is it really like the, it, it, yes, it's, it's yeah. just that. And I have the, the app is. on my phone. I listen to it every night. Wow. So I, I, it drowns out everything. I have the TV. I can't fall asleep unless the TV is playing. Yeah. And I put on a sleep timer. Same Z's. Yeah. Because I, if I, you know, if you're. What do you have on the TV? A TV show. Like what? I pick the shittiest thing so I don't miss anything. Oh, uh, okay. I, I watch uh, Always Sunny because I've seen it so <laughs> okay. many times. Oh, there so you go. I, That's I right. know, you know, and like I'm not laughing because I already know the joke is coming. Yeah. But, it, but they just make me feel better. And I'm not sitting there, you know, laying in the darkness, just like thinking about. Right. <laughs> terrible stuff, you know. Right. Uh, so which your, which your sleep app, the little noise app will take away. Yeah. Right. So I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, but I don't know if I could just do the. Oh, it's so great. Thing. Um, do you know about, you know, like the mosquito sound? Yes. And then after you get to a certain age, you can't hear it anymore. Yes. When I was in school, we used to, we had a teacher and, uh, we were all younger in high school and she was older. And so we would use something, a computer, I think, and blast the mosquito sound to see if she could hear it. But like, obviously every, all 
the kids could hear it and we would just look to see if she could hear it. Yes. I've definitely been in that situation as a teacher, which I find extremely <laughs> funny. It's awesome. It's where they, everybody's dying. They're holding their ears because they can hear it and I cannot hear anything. But you know, the thing is, is now the kids listen to extremely loud music with their little, you know, yeah. the little iPod, what are they called? The well, just they're just pods now. Yeah, they don't have. I them. have them. They're amazing. So they think I, I don't know. I mean, we, I used to listen to Walkman really loud, yeah. and now I can't. I think I stopped hearing that little noise maybe in my thirties or forties. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> yeah. So I could probably not. I could yeah. probably fall asleep to that because I wouldn't hear it. We've deviated quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we've uh, we've actually hit an hour and three minutes. We've gone, uh, we have gone beyond the scope of uh, today's today's show. But um, I'm really excited uh, for you because, like, I th- I thought this was a very good read. Thank I really you. really enjoyed it. And like I said uh, before the show, I just kind of like. I didn't know what your voice sounded like, but to read this, uh, to read this book, like, and have it written kind of like how you would talk or how you would talk to yourself. It's very, it's a, it's a very fun read, very easy to breeze through it. So yeah, I really, I, I really enjoyed it too. Actually. Thank you. Yeah. That means a lot to the, me. Thank you. The, like, yeah. the jur- It's written in a journal type style where it's day one, day two, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but that really helped me keep on track. It, yeah, it, it does. And you get to see kind of the evolution of your journey, you know, even the way that you thought about things as the journey continued, you know, day one, I think the first thing you say is today was horrible. It was, right, it yeah. was the worst. You know, and then, um, <laughs> and then like, as you go through and you work through pain and all that kind of stuff, it's really interesting just to see what your mindset was as you go through. So I, I found it extremely interesting. Thank and, you. Um, Hopefully my whole goal for writing the book was to inspire people because I know not everybody can travel. I can't travel all the time. I have to work. So I armchair travel, you know, I live vicariously through other people's travels. That's, and also there is a lot of things that I put in the book that I wish I would have known before I went. I think I went through my whole gear list, all the gear that I brought. So that's another reason. Exactly. (laughs) And it was a lot, it's a lot of gear. So, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a ton of stuff. A, it's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's two pages. Yeah. yeah. It's two pages of gear. So, wow. So where is it that you guys want to travel the most? Where's your, what's the number one destination that you want to go to? I want to go to Ireland. Oh, okay. Not for a walk or a hike or anything. Which they have, <laughs> they have their own version. I, I'm sure they do. I'm more on the lazy side. Okay. I just like to kick back and. Uh, I want to go because I obviously just by taking one look at me, right? Like, oh, <laughs> it'll, it'll fit right in. Yeah, my, my ancestors and such. So I, re- I really want to go there. Um, really, I'd like to do kind of a whole Europe type thing. I, I think that's how I would start out. I, I've never ever once in my life been outside of the country. Really? Not even Canada, Mexico. So, you know, that's, uh, that's something that I do. I'm a, I'm a teacher and I organize European field trips for students. There we go. I've been doing it since 2008. I've been taking kids and adults on European field trips. So over the years of doing that, it, it really built up my confidence. So 
the first time that I went, it was very scary, but the more you go, the more comfortable you get. Ireland is great because they speak English. Yeah. Okay. I'll, we're going to Italy next year. Italy? I'll, I'll tell you about it later. Yeah. Send, send me the curriculum. Okay. <laughs> where do you, where do you want to go, Jordan? I'm a big beach fan. I mean, I love the cities and stuff like that. I've been to France. It was awesome. Um, I've been to Mexico, been to Canada. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I really just, I really love just being at a beach. It's, you know, wherever I would like to probably eventually, if I can ever afford it, stay in those, uh, little huts over top of the water, like in the Maldives or something like, like that. On Insta- or, Instagram. You yeah. Like the, I want to, I want some yeah. of that Instagram vacation. Yeah. I think maybe I could, I don't know, save up a year's salary and get a you, one night. You know what you would really, <laughs> you know what you would really like if you What's like that? the beach is Croatia. Yeah. I was just in Croatia this summer and the entire country is a beach. It's very affordable. It's not that expensive to travel. Right. How much do you think this whole Camino cost me? Well, I know you had a hundred US dollars and a hundred euros. <laughs> yeah. In that, your bag. The day that, that I started. Right. I actually, when I was going through that, I was like, that's all she took was two, like, well, and mean, then I saw ATM card and credit card and yes. I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, um, it was maybe at the most I would spend would be maybe $20 American dollars a day yeah. for food and my albergue or whatever I needed. Right. Sometimes I didn't even spend that much. So, Let's you know. Let's say like, uh, I don't know, like two grand? Maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. With all my, my travel and stuff that I did, but it's That's very pretty affordable. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, because you take a beach vacation to Myrtle Beach and- you're, you're definitely over two grand. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I don't do that. I'm the, I'm the super budget traveler. Yeah. This summer, my, you'll have to give me tips. I will. Well, you got to book one way plane tickets and fly out of New York city. That's the best thing to do. Yeah. I just, I'm going to go to London. I'm going to go to the UK for a couple of weeks, but then I'm going to go. My whole goal with traveling now is to only go places I've never been before because with my travel club, we tend to go to the same places You know, everybody wants to go to London, Paris, Rome, Barcelona, which are amazing, but I like to go different places. So I'm going to go to Georgia, like the country, country, Georgia, Georgia. Atlanta, (laughs) (laughs) Savannah, Georgia. yeah, it's very cheap there. It's yeah, mm -hmm. I I hear very Very nice things about it. Yeah. It's, they call it the, the Switzerland of the, you know, Eastern Europe, right? One tenth the cost. I'll let, I'll let you know about it. Yeah, that would be awesome. So why don't you tell us where we can uh, get a hold of this book if people would like to read it? Oh, it's on Amazon.com. All right. 32 Days on the Camino de Santiago by Alice L. Kranz. And what about some, uh, like your Facebook? and? That's my Facebook. That's your Facebook? I don't have a web page. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have, I don't really have, I'm not really set up to monetize my traveling career yet. Right. I don't know. The book's good. You should. Yeah, we, uh, you, you have a talent. You should. Yeah, the book is very good. I really lot. enjoy it. It's a great read. Uh, easy read. You guys should definitely check it out. Um, uh, Instagram. Do you got an Instagram? I do. It's called Travels with Crans. Okay. Yeah. Travels with Crans. Right. All right. Cool. K R A N Z. Yes. All right. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for coming in. Thank you. I appreciate it. I look forward to this and thanks for being flexible. Of course. And also thank you for bringing us Italian soups today. <laughs> yeah. She brought bands. Uh, let's welcome. not forget about that. Thank so. you. This was so great. It's like a dream come true. Um, it was, oh, wow. yeah, I promote your podcast like crazy. I appreciate it's it. So great. Uh, yeah. cool. It's the greatest local thing that we have going right now. Dang. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that big smile on Ryan's face. I know. I like to hear it's that. It's so great. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's real fun. You're welcome back anytime. I mean, okay. like, honest to God, I think it would be a lot of fun, even if maybe you came in again sometime in the in the future and just talk to us about how people could travel on a budget okay. and things like that, like all the tips that people would need to That's the to only do that. superpower I have is getting cheap plane tickets. That's it's awesome. my superpower. I wish that was my superpower. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time.